to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. And today's guest is a returning guest. Now, the key to this guest here is that we actually have working Wi-Fi now as we're recording, whereas last time I recorded with him, my Wi-Fi was being really weird, so I had to use my phone, and it was it was just a shit show altogether. So we're going to actually do our first episode together with, with actual video, too. Like, we can see each other. I feel like that helps conversation flow so much smoother. So my guest for this episode returning is mr mo brown what's going on Mo? how you feeling i'm feeling good man feeling good living life good good Um, how are you good i hey man i'm here a lot of recording lately but we're here and and just you know going through the motions getting getting it all done and just we'll be back at it tomorrow i think this is i can't remember four four episodes in the last two days and then tomorrow so it's a lot of recording and i'm not sure where all of it's going (laughs) but uh you know oh how's everything uh been with you on the mats i saw uh you were at uh adcc trials and everything you sent me over the videos and stuff yeah man um it was a it was quite the experience it was the dallas open I think it was like in June, yeah, like the first or second week of June, mm-hmm. and I did all right. You know, it was a great experience. Um, I had a lot of things going on mentally that like started a week or two before the comp, and I wasn't in the best mental space. To tell you the truth, like two days before the tournament, I was even like telling people I didn't want to do it because I was like so down bad mentally. I was like, man, but that's just not who I was as a person. So I was just like, you know what? And another thing too, like Mo, I can't, I don't want to butcher his name, but the guy who like runs ADCC, he mm-hmm. dropped me a, he was going, he goes live, you know, quite often on Instagram. And so I hop on his lives quite often and I'll just chop it up with him on there. And one of the lives I asked him for a discount code because when I was filling it out, I saw that you could use a discount code. And so I got on the live and I was like, Hey bro, throw me a discount code. And then after his live, he messaged me and was like, hey, dude, why don't you just uh, come out and compete for free? I was like, what? I was like, all right. And so that was like another major factor. Like, dude, this guy gave you free comp pass and you're about to not do it. How am I going to back out of this competition when, you know, the guy that's running it gave me a free pass? And so I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go in there and try my best. Um, Round one was probably the craziest and it was the fastest the dude quick sub me in like i don't know 40 something seconds it was pretty he was he was savvy he was super savvy he immediately went in implemented his game plan and i was just trying to play catch up the whole rest of the time caught me with a nasty toehold man i'm talking nasty at some point in time i'm gonna do like a breakdown of every match and then post them on youtube with commentary and stuff but yeah man round one I like I said, man, I was not there mentally, even after the match, like because people were watching me on flow and they would message me and be like, dude, get your head in the game. Like, you got to get your head in the game. Like, what's going on with you? And I'm just like not trying to tell anybody about my personal life, honestly, not on that situation. So I was just like, hey, man, you know, 
I'm working on it. Now everybody knows, you know, prior to or afterwards, everyone knows what was going on. But it was just like, dude, that really wasn't there mentally. Round one. After round one, when round two started, um, you know, I don't know. My opponent was just staring me in my eyes the whole time. And I don't know. It just activated something in me like lion versus lion or something. <laughs> also, though, in round one, dude, the toehold... It made like a nasty sound, like, <laughs> and even uh, the com my competitor, he was like, so you know, after I tapped, because I had to verbally tap, because it wasn't it wasn't gonna be fast enough to tap on him. I think I did both, but you know, right after he let go, when the ref stopped it, remind me about the refs. But right after he let go, when the ref stopped it, um, he was like apologizing over and over, and I stood up on it fine at that moment. But maybe like five minutes later, I started feeling like, I don't know. He definitely, because it still affected me today, you know, month, a month later. But he definitely did damage, dude. Like, because it affected my last two matches. Um, in the second match, you know, we started standing. And I knew I didn't, because I couldn't put any pressure on my right leg, on my right ankle, which was the ankle he toe-holded. And so, like, immediately, and that was another thing, too. My whole game plan was based around, like, either wrestling up or trying to pass guard pullers, you know, if they sit guard. That was my game plan. Like, I'm either going to wrestle and go for the takedown, which didn't really, I didn't have a chance to do. Because the first guy, he immediately set guard. The second guy was more of a wrestler, but I couldn't put pressure on my right foot. And I knew my game plan was already heavy leg lock, so I was like, screw it. I'm going to sit guard before he can sit guard, which wasn't even his plan, though. So when I set guard, I don't really remember how it went down, but at some point in time, I have him in butterfly, and I'm trying to elevate with my right foot, and like it was nut, like the pain coming out of it. Even in the video, you can see where I try to elevate, and then I take the hook yeah. out and try to use that same foot to pivot my hip so I could recover guard, and that was like the only movement I could get out of that as far as pressure on the ankle when I put weight on it to pivot, and then I recovered guard. And then did a really, it's actually from our basics class, like the back take that I used on him. Everything he did is what we drill for if, uh, you know, your opponent does something like this. And it's also like more Gracie combatives, not even like, you know, jujitsu versus jujitsu. It's what you use if someone's like, you know, putting that, because that's what he was doing. He's putting his forearm on my throat while I was in the guard and then like uh, yeah. tripoding on his legs and trying to like, I don't know, you know that pressure passing stuff sometimes it works and so then i just cleared his arm and i'm still in the bottom of the guard and i have him like this you know and then i shimmy to his back wrap in the rear naked choke and then that was a wrap for round two i felt like a boss after that <laughs> and i'd seen like a few rivals that i had win against at different tournaments that were there like two or three guys from texas area because i go to texas to compete a lot not that there's anything wrong with where I live in Oklahoma, but Texas got that heat. You know, they got B team. Yeah, they I was got, just about to say. Uh, New Wave. And, you know, I was, they got 10th Planet Austin. The dude who took me out, that's where he trained out of 10th Planet Austin, I believe. Mm. And um, he ended up coming in second place, the dude who uh, beat me in the first round. So that, and there was like, I'm going to say 37 to 40 people in the bracket. Yeah. And due to past, because I was wondering how they were going to do it. And later on, I asked them and they were like, well, we looked and see if you had any like accolades. I don't know if I'm saying that right. 
or any yeah. like real prior experience. And I'd done a few fights to win. I think my record's like three and one or something like that. But either way, with that, because the guy that beat me in the first round, he was the same thing. He has like a good, I think he's undefeated in fight to win. And so we both had a bye the first round. And then the second round was me and him. And then I went to the consolation bracket for my third round, beat that guy. And then fourth round, man, that was probably my favorite match. Um, I did get subbed with like a minute left. We were in a leg lock shootout for days, man. It was all, I loved it, honestly. It was kind of the match I was looking for. Because the whole, yeah, I wanted to win, of course. I never go into anything and be like, oh, I'm just doing it for the experience. Though, granted, mentally, I wasn't really trying to be involved, um, you know, you know, whatever, excuses or whatever, but had a lot going on. And so my mindset was just like, dude, I just want to get that, that one, you know, at least one or two of those great matches where it's like, even if I lose, but it was just like, dude, we were going at it, escape after escape, counter for counter, you know, pass for pass. And that's what me and, and he was super, same thing. As soon as he uh, slap bumped, he pulled set guard. And that was another thing. My game plan was based around passing the guard from the feet, you know, using my agility and quickness to get around the corner fast, knee on belly or something, and not being able to put any pressure on my right leg. During the match, you can see me try a few times to pass from the feet, and then I just have to drop down to my knees because it sucked. And unfortunately, you know, I got some work to do on passing uh, – the legs, even if it's open guard or butterfly guard, my body lock for the butterfly guard isn't great. And then just anything from the knees passing wise, I'm a little guy. So my pressure is just not the best. It's good whenever I get to the dominant positions. Like if I have you inside or mount, I have great pressure, but passing, I got to work on it. I got to work on it. I, I think that's the big thing though, too. It's like knowing that you have to work on it versus, you know, ignoring is like oh that's a that's a, a bad spot let right. me go work on something there. else <laughs> yeah exactly. like, fuck this but that third round man he uh we were in a 50 50 and in the video even after the video and even after that because he was he, even though he won he didn't compete anymore and i'm assuming that i did damage to his knee because in the beginning of the 50 50 shootout I was in I was fishing for the hook and yeah. I got it at least two or three times and was hipping through, turning, and hindsight or whatever, after the fact, my coach was like telling me that I was focusing too much on the turn and not much too not enough on the hipping through. But I felt his knee buckle at least twice during that and then even watching the videos, both of those times when it buckled, you can see him like grimace, and he's just taking it. He didn't. I, I, you know, I don't know why he didn't care, but I would have been out of there. And so during that, though, he like exposes my heel, my hidden heel too. At that, and I'd been in that position before, even in a fight to win, and they expose the heel and just try to crank it. But because my lockdown, it doesn't work. However, injuries, man. Cause it was my no, it wasn't my exposed. It was my left, yeah. So it was outside heel hook, 
on my left heel. And like I said, nor and that's the foot that I'm using to lock down my right leg when I'm in the 50-50. And so normally it really doesn't work also because he doesn't have any like leg pressure. He didn't throw his leg over the top. Back to what I was saying about the injury though, I had an injury, man, I feel like for a while, like, you know, some injuries just never heal. And even yeah. though he was attacking a heel hook, it didn't hurt my knee at all. It was de definitely destroying my ankle. So I tapped like as soon as, and I didn't even hurt. I just felt that it was about to pop or slip because that's what happened to the injury in the beginning. I was doing a roll with a friend and that's the thing about straight ankle locks. Just because you clear the knee line doesn't mean they still can't pop your ankle. Cause that's what I thought. I cleared the knee line. He didn't have his knees wrapped around my leg. So I thought I was safe and he still was able to do the straight ankle lock. He wasn't even doing it faster. Mean. It was just the fact that I wasn't tapping and he was just slowly going, slowly going like you going to tap. And I'm just like, you don't have it, bro. Bam. Ankle pops. And I was just like, what? Like, dude. And so fast forward to the tournament. As soon as I felt it like slip a little, I tapped. I was like, yeah, bro, I'm good. I already got my right bum ankle, so I don't need a left one. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Looking at the video, uh, it is funny because as you're talking, you know, through each of the matches, I'm watching each match. So it's almost kind of like the timing of as you're explaining it matches up with the actual video. Um, the, the funny thing about that third match is like, you know, I see you two going for each other's, um, you know, for the hill hook on each other. And I, I see what you're saying because I, I thought you had it. I was like, oh, Ew. he's got this. Like, that's in deep. He's got him. And then I saw you. We'll see. And, and it was weird because it's like, I didn't realize you had tapped. So I was like, well, what happened? And then when I saw him raise his hand, I was like, no, that's what, and you can see him kind of walking weird. Um, yes, exactly. You know, after they raise his hand, you know, you can see his leg kind of did something weird as he's walking like a off. Like limp or stopped. buckle to it when he was walking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the video stopped from there. But, I mean, it's tough. It's tough getting out there, you know, when you've got a lot going on already mentally. Because, you know, the last thing you want, you know, going into any kind of a athletic endeavor is to have your mind clouded and then and, and even even if you can kind of stuff it away for a minute it's like you know there's still kind of these things that are just going on your physical is still kind of affected I, I mean the fact that you still went out there and did it though you know speaks volumes and kudos to you like i said you got work to do you go back to the drawing board get it together come back you know you know, it, it's all about just having an understanding of this isn't the end of your journey. So, exactly. you know, that's a big thing there, exactly. too. Exactly. That reminds me of, uh, man, I can't even, uh, it's either Kobe Bryant or, you know, the guy who was like, I think he was a good basketball, Inky Johnson, and he lost his hand. Mm, um, gotcha. And that's what he says. He's like, you can't focus on the end goal. Like, if I was just so focused on just that tournament. He was like, then you won't know what to do next. Like once you get there, you were so wrapped up in that. Now you don't know what's going, you know, what's going to happen next or what's after. And so I was just like, man, you know, when you said that, that it just hit me in my brain. Like, dude, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, can't just focus on that. Yeah. 
obviously keep your eyes on the prize leading up to, but you got to have the next steps. And not even have to, because you don't want to make it. It's easy to put most of the pressure on yourself. So you don't want to make it overwhelming, but you still don't want to be so fixated on that goal. And that's why I tell people too, even from white to any belt, like even to black, because I've even seen that where it's like, that guy was killing it until he got to black belt. And now he's like, not even on the mats really. And it, yeah, you're like, okay, you're at black belt, but still like, that's what I feel like I would be on the mats the most after that from there on, depending on, you know, my body and stuff. But even then, yeah. I just feel like you can't be too fixated on the goal, the end goal, especially if things just don't go your way or it takes longer than you thought. And then, you know, mm-hmm. those trials and tribulations will come, especially in jiu-jitsu, dude. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing, too, is like being hungry, staying hungry. You know, when we start this journey, you know, as a white belt, it's like, okay, it as a white belt, for the most part, we're like, look, we, you know, we want to make it to the next belt. We want to get to blue belts. Uh, you know, s- some white belts have the, the presence of mind of saying, you know, I'm not worried about the belt. I'm just worried about learning. And that belt's going to come as I go along the way. Now, you know, I feel like that that feeling is a little advanced for, you know, most white belts. But they, they are out there. I, I think I got to that point after a while because I've been a white belt for so long. I was just like, I don't even care anymore. I'm just here to learn. And right. if that belt changes colors, cool. If not, cool. I'm here on the mats. And then even, you know, you know, at blue belt, you know, you have those moments too, where, I mean, it, it's always the running joke. Blue belts quit. The big thing about, you know, our journeys in jujitsu too, is that, you know, if you start focusing, like I said, on that end game, if you're, you know, if you're like, look, I just want to get here. It's like, it, it just feels, it feels cheap almost. And that's not to say like not to have goals, but, you know, if, if, if you're like, well, look, I'm just in it for, you know, my black belt. Once you get the black belt, then what do you do? And I feel like, and I'm not there, obviously, but I feel like, you know, if, if you go on, you know, that, that entire run, you get your black belt. I want to believe that by the time you get to that point, you know, it's kind of out of your system anyway. And you're like, well, you know, you got your black belt. You're in love with jujitsu. You're there. You're, you're like, say so you'd be on the mat more often. You know, you'll, you'll be, you know, at the gym more often doing more stuff jujitsu related. But I think it's just sometimes along that, along that uh, journey, you know, people can get kind of complacent. People can get, you know, you know, kind of down in the dump because it's like, well, man, I've been a blue belt for, seven years and i was like you know and and you start seeing other people around you get promoted too and that's why it's it's problematic to compare your journey to someone else's because you know i know white belts that got promoted to blue belt really quick not like you know falsely but it's like you they're just hard workers and and you know they really earned it you know i see you know blue belts that that i came up with that are now purple belts and it's like oh wow i was like okay but that's not my journey their journey's different than mine and it, it's always that 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 thing that has to be kind of stuffed down so i don't know I, I i think it's all beautiful all the same and you know whenever and however we get to where we're going as long as we stay on the mats that's what's key very true my friend very very true and that's Another thing, too, though, like, 
life can also hit you and that's whenever you gotta like just make sure that you just try to get to the mats like i've had man i can't even i feel like it was my friend tim who's a brown belt and when he got injured i remember he would just come up and just watch the classes he wouldn't even really get to train much but you know he made sure and that's why I feel like in the back of my mind too. I'm like, man, if I if I admit, if I have to take a month off the match, it would be so hard. Not you know, f- different for everyone, of course. Like you said with the journey, but for myself, even two weeks, even a week coming back off of being off the match for a week, coming back, dude, it is always so grueling. And then the longer you stay away, that thought keeps creeping into your head, like, oh, it's gonna suck. Is gonna suck mm-hmm. even worse. The longer you're gone, the worse is gonna suck when you get back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've had several mini breaks now. You know, it's like I had a good good push. I was back on the mask. I was like, yes, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. And I got sick. And I was like, okay, I'm back again. And I was like, yes, I'm back. And then it kind of coincided with a schedule change. But I injured my groin mm-hmm. and then changed jobs. So my schedule changed. And I was like, okay, well, not a big deal. You know, this actually works because I get to go to some other classes instead. But the thing is trying to transition myself into those other classes because, you know, for me, a, a big part of it, and, you know, the, the, the thing that bothered me, you know, when people would talk to me about it, it was like, well, you know, just go or just, just jump in or just do this or just do that. And it's like, I, for me, it's not just a, as simple as just do it, you know, like for me to go to the Friday or Saturday class, it's a whole different group of people. So me being, you know, extremely introverted and, and just riddled with anxiety, going to those classes is a nightmare, like, or at least to build up to get to those classes. It's a nightmare. Oh yeah. So, you know, just trying to, you know, step into that gym. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I'm here. Uh, I, I ended up, you know, myself getting back on the mats on Saturday mornings. And, nice. and I ran into just a bunch of the people that I started training with way back in the beginning. I was excited. I was like, oh, my God, you guys are here. Like I thought I'd never see you guys again because I was going on a, a completely different day that didn't match their schedules. And then, um, you know, it, it it's just that that thing. There's just something to it. But. Um, I know for me making this comeback again, it was tough mentally, physically, like physically, I'm definitely not there. I I'm, uh, I'm in such bad shape. It's just at this point, it's like, all right, I feel like I'm back at square one. Like I told my coach the other day, I feel like a fresh blue belt. I feel like I just, you know, got my blue belt and I don't know what the fuck's going on. So that that's where I'm at myself. Just kind of trying to, you know, reacclimate myself on the mat. So I, I feel you when it when it comes to the idea of taking any time away because I, I remember it used to be a point where I was at that gym six days out of the seven, and I couldn't even imagine missing, you know, not even like you know two days. It was like if I miss two days, I'm like, oh my god, I'm losing my mojo. So you know, fast forward to COVID, and then. You know, I came back and I was like, okay, I'm back in this. I'm on it. And then things just started getting weird. And then I was just like, you know what? The, I, I, mentally, I wasn't in it. 
and then physically I wasn't in it. And I kept trying to come back and I was like, I don't think I'm, I don't, I don't think this is for me anymore. I, I didn't, there's no plans of quitting, but you know, I was fighting the start of like, I almost like switched gyms just cause it was like, maybe I need to go to a new gym for a fresh start. And it's like, I love my team, but it's like, maybe I need to start over like somewhere else. And you know, it's like, I don't know, but that wasn't actually what was needed. It was just, I did need to just kind of ease my way back in, which is what I'm doing now. So good. I'm with That's you. Good man. Like you said, it's, we're all on our own journeys. It's not a race, you know? Yeah. I used to get bad anxiety too before training. Like, especially if I knew it was going to be like a hard day. And like, dude, I used mm-hmm. to despise the gi because, you know, smaller guy can't be as agile. They grab you, slow yeah. you down. And dude, I remember one time, like, and I knew my academy had extra gis up there. And I just like used it as an excuse. I did forget that it was a gi day and I showed up with no gi. And as soon as I seen everybody in their geese, I quickly ran out and ran to my car and just left. And my coach starts calling me. He's like, did you just run out? I was like, yeah. I was like, I forgot my geese, so I'm just going home. He's like, you know we got extra geese up here. And I, I didn't go back, though. I stayed home. I was like, I'm going home, dude. I'm already halfway. I wasn't even halfway. I was like around the block. <laughs> like, I've come so far. Like, I can't turn back around. Dude, yeah, I think that was one of the, yeah, more embarrassing times because they saw me jet out of there like I did not want to be there. Yeah, that's that's my thing too. It's like I hate being late because it's like you show up late and everybody's there, so everybody sees you coming in late. Like I like to be first, so that way it's like I watch everybody else come in, and for me mentally, it puts me in a place where it's like you're coming to my place. Whereas if I show up late, I'm like, shit, I'm showing up to your party. I didn't even bring any snacks. I'm late. Damn, y'all. Y'all going to beat my ass, ain't you? And they do. Every time. I, on the other hand, man, with being late, I am a purple belt now. <laughs> and that, it doesn't help that there's, like, the running joke with, like, purple belts missing warm-ups, you know? And, like... I used to never do it. I used to never miss warm-ups. I'd be on time or I'd be early. And, like, when I'm teaching the kids' class, obviously I'm early because that's the first classes that they teach. And so then I just stay through the rest of the classes. But, yeah, if I'm not teaching, dude, I'm probably going to be late. And I swear it was it only started because people kept sending me those memes all the time. And I'm like, all right, then. I guess you guys are trying to tell me I need to be late. So, okay, I'll be a little late now. Yeah, so I got I got to work on that. <laughs> That's the thing about the memes too. It's like you almost wonder, like, is there any real reality to the memes? Then you start paying attention. Then then you see the memes so much. It's like maybe it is true. You know, Blue Belt starts seeing the memes. We're like, I guess I should quit right now. Right though, it's like, dude, it's don't like, do man, that. <laughs> they're programming us low key. It's like memes. You, you got the the Blue Belts out there. It's like oh, I'm gonna give some bad advice. <laughs> I was like, don't do that. Ah, after right. I give the bad advice, I'm gonna quit. And then the purple belts are like, I made it this far. I may as well stop going to going to practice. And you get your brown belts. Are like, I'm just gonna show up with some icy hot. Right. It's like Jesus, dude. They, tell they... me what you think about this. <laughs> so my friend had visited a, an academy. 
I want to, I don't, I can't remember where it was, but it was out of Oklahoma and like he shows up, you know, there's a bunch of people there, different colored belts and stuff, but no black belts. So they drill, work on some moves, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, 30 minutes or whatever. And then he says they start to roll. And he was like, right before they started to roll, he's like, all these black belts just started showing up just to roll though. And I'm like, man, Hmm. you know, is that like I'm 50-50 because that seems badass. Like I could just picture it in my mind, especially if you were like a visitor, you didn't know. And you're just like drilling. You see, man, there's a bunch of browns, purples, blues, whites. Man, like only the instructor, two instructors are black belts. And then like right before you start to roll, you, and he said it was like seven or eight walked in in a line. And I was just like, dude, it had to be kind of cool to see though. Like, oh, snap. They brought in like, the mod squad to wipe out the like, place. And here come the goons. <laughs> right. But at the same time, to me, mentally, it's like, because I have this thing too, even with my academy, because we do like a cycle of moves, right? Because mm-hmm. every academy will have like their own style, like 10th planet. You're not going to really go to a 10th planet and learn about, I don't know, pressure passing and, you know, just anything that wouldn't be what 10th planet does. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They have like their little niche or niche or whatever you want to call it what they're uh subjected to and i feel like every academy has that we're like yeah you could ask questions and go outside the parameter and learn some things that you want to learn for you but as far as like going to the advanced class where they're teaching the group setting like they have their not all academies but most that are running on a curriculum but not it doesn't even have to be a curriculum but they just have like a sense of purpose right yeah some academies you go and they're just like today we're learning this and that may be the last time you ever see that move ever it was just like something they wanted to do randomly but with all that being said we do some of the moves you know they'll come back around like every two or three months or something right yeah and we'll have guys come in there and they're just like not really paying attention to the drilling instruction because they think they know it so well even belts that are higher than me lower than me and in my brain it's like dude that doesn't give a good message to the new people coming up because it's like you're in here the moves work they're great moves but the only reason why you're not paying attention is because you feel like you know them or you've done them enough however these new people don't know that so you don't know what they're thinking and to me whenever my homie told me that story I was just like, well, why don't they come there to work on the techniques? Or not only that, help the lower belts who may not be so well with the techniques. Because there was only two instructors. So if you had seven black belts show up and there's so many people there, those black belts can just go around and help random people and, you know, fix, critique, whatever. And so I'm like, and then to me, it also shows no faith in what you're teaching. Because you, you know, and not saying that's the mindset. But if I was new coming in, I'm like, these guys don't even show up to learn what we need to learn. So, how you know, is it not as effective? Because the highest level guys ain't even coming here to try to work on it. So is this effective? So that, that's something, you know, just as you're mentioning, you know, the, um, you know, why not, you know, as black belts be there that, you know, help the others 
you know, the other lower belts and things like that. I think about that with our Wednesday class, you know, our coach, you know, he's instructing and, you know, kind of breaking everything down for us. He's a black belt. And, you know, we have sometimes two, possibly three other black belts. They're actually going over the technique to learning the technique, you know, and again, they are black belts. They probably know the techniques very well, but, you know, you can never get enough reps. Exactly. You know, that's, that's always, you know, something that I think is important is understanding you can never get enough reps, number one. I remember uh, drilling with uh, Coach Vanessa at, at uh, Crazy 88 where I train at. And, um, you know, I, I, sometimes I have trouble with just, you know, simple moves, what I think are simple moves, but maybe maybe they aren't. And, you know, she wasn't being a hard ass about it or anything. She was actually really cool about it. It's really funny, too, because she's young. She's like, she's so, 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 so much younger than me. So it's that weird thing where, like, as she's explained it to me, I'm not looking at like, oh, this little kid can't teach me anything. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at like, you know, okay, you know, you know, thank you. You know, you know, I'll, you know, I'll try to do it that way. But, you know, she wasn't trying to like, you, you know, step on toes or anything. You know, she was just like, you know, as Coach Keith showed it, you know, she's like, you know, just, you know, do it this way. You know, go slow, you know, take your time with it. And I was like, okay, you know, that that's definitely helpful because, there are times, even though I've been doing this for a while, I still rush to the move. And I think part of why I do it is because more often than not, I like to do the move really slowly to make sure I'm getting it right. But then I feel like my training partner might be like, God, dude, hurry up. Right. Like, I want to yeah, get my reps. That. But it, it, I, I think it's important that, you know, if, if you're in class, you know, you got these black belts that are there. And I don't know. I mean, you said they all, you know, he, he says they all showed up kind of like, information essentially so you know i guess it might have just been a thing it was like look we'll show up when we show up you know and then you know get get our reps and get our roles in but i always feel like you know if, if you're going to be at a class no matter what your rank is you know be there at class you know if it's if it's if you can avoid being late avoid being late you know show up and just work with the team because that's the thing you're a team uh, looking at you too, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get better. I promise. But what do you um, think about people training, like you know? So, just a little short story, just to back the question. Mm-hmm. Had a guy at my academy, Redline Jiu-Jitsu, Edmond, Oklahoma. Check us out if you're ever around. Um, <clears throat> I think he's like a music guy for a Christian. You know, he's just real christian nothing wrong with that but they were talking about a guy that came to the academy and he was like a drop-in i don't even know if he even trained anywhere because you'll get that people just come off the streets thinking yeah i'm about to show y'all what's up but they were swearing he was on meth like you know he was on meth training i didn't see the guy didn't get to interact with him or anything this was like a day or two later or a week later and the music guy we'll just call him mike that's not his real name. But Mike, he's a blue belt, and he was like, yeah, man, that guy was on meth. Da, 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 da. And then someone else was like, yeah, I think I would rather have my partner just smoke weed instead of smoke meth. And then this guy says, no, 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 that ain't safe either because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's going on in their mind. I'd rather my partner just be sober. 
And I felt that. I was like, I feel that. And then he follows up with, because you don't know when you're smoking that weed, you just might go crazy. I'm like, bro, you do not know. What are you talking about? You know, like, I get it at the same time. You know, you want your partner sober. I feel that. But you can't compare what meth does to you mentally to what weed does to you mentally. I feel like it's just two totally opposite sides of the freaking spectrum, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the thing for me, at least, with training, I don't care what anyone does as long as you don't hinder my ability to train. And as long as you don't, you know, hurt yourself. You know, I, I train with plenty of teammates who, who've smoked possibly before. I mean, I could smell it on them. So I've seen it before. Uh, and, and the thing is, I don't think anything of it. I don't care. As long as you're a good training partner, that, that's the key thing to me. If you're doing meth, I just feel like if you've been smoking meth before training, I feel like you're probably not going to be the best training partner, but I don't know. I don't, I don't frequent uh, meth users like that often in my life. Um, if, if at all, to be quite honest, but I, I feel like if you're, you're like, look, man, I'm gonna go ahead and hit this meth real quick and then go get on the mats. I feel like maybe you need to not necessarily blend all your hobbies together. <laughs> Keep these fucking right. separate. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, as far as like smoking goes, like smoking weed, like from what I've understood for some people, it actually helps them. It enhances, you know, as they kind of go into kind of a flow. Uh, I don't know. Like for me, I don't smoke regular. Actually, I, I don't know when it was the last time I smoked, probably six years ago. I, I take, uh, gummies for sure. Okay. Those, yeah. those are, that's a party, but you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, popping a gummy before I go into mat. I just feel like for me. If I'm going to take any any kind of edible, I'm going to the basement. I'm putting on some music, and I'm I'm probably posing action figures and just you know being chill. But, but for anyone that that can you know smoke or or take an edible and then get on the mats, more power to you all because I don't know that I have that kind of uh you know tolerance for it. I feel that. Uh, it reminds me of whenever I, and that's the thing about it now. So like when I first started training, even into like some of the blue belt times, I couldn't smoke if I, before class, if I was learning like a technique that I hadn't, wasn't too privy to, you know, new stuff. And in those times I felt like I probably was a bad training partner, not like super bad, but you know, we do the, you know, they're drilling the move. And this probably happens to people even when they don't smoke, but it would just be almost after every time, you know, they'd show something, then we'd go drill. Then they'd show something, then we'd go drill. So it'd be like every time we'd get back to drill, I'm like looking at my partner like, what do we do? I didn't even, I was looking, I thought I was paying attention, but I don't even know where we start. Oh, that's definitely me, definitely me sober. (laughs) What are we doing again? Before this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I could only imagine how horrible that would go. It's like, all right, so wait, oh, wait, are, where the fuck are we? Like, is this jiu-jitsu? Oh, we're working side control. I thought we were doing mouth. <laughs> it's like, oh, like all right, go ahead and um, we're going, we're gonna start in Delhiva. 
whoa, you made that up. Like, <laughs> those aren't real words. Um, but I, I feel like if, if people, you know, as long as you're able to function on the mat, I don't care. Like, I know when I first started training, I stopped drinking because I could only train on Fridays. I'm sorry, Saturdays. So Friday night was kind of like our go out night. And I stopped drinking on Friday nights. I really stopped drinking altogether at one point because I felt like I was being a bad training partner coming in, you know, hungover, smelling like booze. I was like, nah, I don't want to be that guy. And, you know, that that had a drastic effect on, uh, you know, how I grappled because I felt like I came in more clear minded. But over time, I realized, well, wait a minute. I'm only training on Saturday mornings. I can still drink Saturday nights. Yeah. Uh, even after some time, I stopped doing that. But it, I, I think it's just a matter of, again, you know, being a good training partner. If, if you know that you're able to smoke or drink and then come in the next morning or later that afternoon or later that morning and still function, you know, kudos, just be a good training partner. But if you know, like you, you smoke some meth and then you go out there and you can't even fucking, you know, do a four roll properly. Maybe you shouldn't smoke meth or yeah. you know, maybe if right. you love meth that much, maybe you shouldn't do jujitsu. I don't know. I right. feel like jiu-jitsu is better for you. I mean, that's wild though, but I'm biased. I like, I wouldn't choose meth over jujitsu, right. but exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm positive. There's some meth heads that wouldn't choose jujitsu over meth. So oh, yeah. easily. <laughs> Like, like they'd be insulted that you even asked them the questions. Like, so which would you rather do, jujitsu or meth? And they'd be like, what, what the fuck? Where's the meth? Like, <laughs> like, why would you even ask that? And like, I don't know. I just feel like maybe jujitsu is better for your health, you know, self-defense, you know, good stuff, good good mental health. Meth, right. I don't think meth is good for your mental health. Like, like, I don't know. But maybe I'll, I'll Google that and find out, you know, what are some of the health benefits of fucking smoking math if there are any <laughs> i don't yeah you can stay up and get a lot of work done maybe yeah maybe maybe right like, exactly big maybe like it i mean but who knows i mean if the, if that is part of part of the uh benefit i don't know maybe maybe i'll take an adventure one day dude listen so i used to work uh i still do go in the oil field sometimes and i used to work with a welding crew on the road and there's meth all over there dude there's meth all over there. There was a time where we started a shift at like 5 p.m. and then didn't start working, stop working until the next day at 3 p.m. And me and the two partners that I brought with me were dying by like nine in the morning. We were dying. It was like, and we were in East Texas or South Texas, close to freaking Mexico, mm. dude, the, in the middle of freaking July or some shit. It was like a year ago. Dude, deadly heat. We're dying. And there's like three guys that are just like hosses, bro. I'm like, how are these guys still freaking working? And like, just like at a pace that we were working at 3 p.m., they still got that same pace. Then later on, we're like, I think it was, yeah, it was three. Because they kept working until like five. They went from five, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. the next day. We stopped. Either way, I can't remember what time we stopped. I just know we stopped like two or three hours before them. And when we stopped, we go into the, one of their trucks to, like, hang out in the AC and go to sleep in the truck before we head back to Oklahoma. And uh, we're all in the truck, and one of those guys is like, you want bump? 
You want bump? If you if you take a bump, we'll get this shit done in in the next hour. He said, if we got five of us speeded, yeah, this should be done in the next hour. And I was like, a bump of meth? And he was like, we call it ice cream, bro. And I'm like, yeah, nah, I'm good, bro. Like, I'm going to sleep, bro. Fuck that. I made enough money today. I'm good. Um, I don't know which is more comical to me. It's just like talk about hey, if you take a bump, we five of us can get this done, or the fact that they he said they call it ice cream. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, we don't use that word, man. That's fucking taboo, bro. Say ice cream around here. Like, you get shot. Meth, meth. That's a horrible, horrible stereotype, and I'm offended by that. We call it ice cream. Like, what the fuck, dude? It's the same thing, bro. <laughs> meth is meth, dude. It also reminds me whenever I go out, whenever I was on the tanking crew is what I welded on oil field, just different um, job title, different, even whole set of job. Whenever I was on the oil field, though, on my hard hat, I have a a red line jujitsu sticker on the side. And there was a time it's called dusting. So every road is dirt road to get on the oil field, oil patch, anywhere where there's a where they're pumping oil from the ground. you'll never find a paved road. Everything's going to be dirt and gravel. So when they're building like a, what would you call that? Like an oil-filled plant, they've got to weld a bunch of stuff together, like pipelining. And they'll have like different sections of pipe being welded all along this freaking road that's dirt. And so if you're driving too fast on the dirt road, a bunch of dirt will, dust will fly into their welding and, you know, fuck them up for a second. Well, I was with my supervisor, and you got to note, when you go into the oil field patch, just when you're on the site, it doesn't mean it's just all your coworkers or all your employees. There'll be a, a bunch of different businesses and companies out there that are contracted to work for the oil field, that little area. And so there is no, like, super head. There is a super head boss, but you're not going to be able to talk to him or get in contact with him unless it's, like, something, you know, we're losing a million dollars because we had to shut down that oil well type stuff right and so we drive by these dudes he's not even thinking it's early dust like five welders and their supervisor pulls up in his truck close to where we were posted it's like eight of us and he gets out of the truck with some weird like a type of pipe that we use because there's different oil companies you got like a flowback crew a fracking crew and etc etc and we're a flowback crew long story short he has like a piece of flowback pipe that only flowbacks would use. And he was like trying to talk big shit. Like, you know, jumped out of the truck. Who the fuck's getting their ass beat? Dusting my welders. Da, da, da. And at the time I was turned to where you couldn't see the sticker. Right. And so once he starts going off and he like throws that piece of pipe on the ground, which I don't know what he did that for. And I turn around real quick and I saw him read the sticker and his whole vibe changed. He went from talking about beating ass, throwing the pipe down to oh i i found this pipe and it's worth a lot of money and it was just laying around and i figured y'all could use it so i just wanted to bring it by and you start the day off right i was just like looking and everyone starts laughing and he walks off you know talks to my supervisor they're chopping it up then my supervisor came over and he's like i need you to come with me on every job he's like i need you to wear that hard hat every job he said i never saw another supervisor change up their vibe so fast and i'm like dude that's just the reality of the respect that jiu-jitsu brings you 
which is a slippery slope, you know, because if you get that ego and think you're too good, there's always going to be someone that just knocks you down, knocks you back to your humble spot. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's out there. Um, I wear I, I, I wear a mixture of jujitsu and comic book shirts out in public. Oh, that's a great mixture. And if I go out to the bar, I try to wear comic book shirts. I just, you know, I, I don't. I don't want any trouble. I don't feel like fucking hearing any bullshit. Um, like I went out to brunch with a good friend of mine last year. She and I were in Baltimore, and yeah, I had on a BJJ Wiki shirt. And bartender actually, you know, I, I didn't realize what I was wearing. He goes, "You know, do you train?" And I looked up. I was like, "How the fuck does he know?" And I was like, huh? And, you know, he points to my shirt. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, 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 yeah. And the bartender, he actually used to train. He had just moved back to the area, and he was looking to get back on the mats. You know, we had a good conversation. I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, this is really cool. You know, versus, you know, you can run into some knuckleheads, too, who also think, oh, that 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 MMA shit ain't going to work on me. It's like, I don't want it to work on you. I honestly don't want no problem. I just want to drink right. my beer. I don't even want to try, dude. Yeah, it's like I got shit to do, and part of that shit does not involve me getting into an altercation with you. I don't know what you might have on you. You could have a weapon. You could have syphilis. I don't know, dude. I got places to be, and like, like here is not one of those places. So right. I'm gonna go ahead and finish my beer and get the fuck out of Dodge. But you know, I, I think, you know, you know, they see a cat with a comic book shirt on. It's it's a lot less imposing. It's like, oh. This guy fucking likes Ghost Rider. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, move on with your day. It's like, oh, this guy's <laughs> wearing a couture, you know, uh, extreme couture MMA shirt. Oh, well, let's fuck with this guy. And I was like, no, right, let's not. Exactly. You don't want a problem. So, I used um, to get that a lot, too, um, when I would work out at the gym. Because I, I am, dude, I don't know. It's a little mixture at this point, but. In the beginning, especially once I got that blue, and you know, I was like, all right, like, I can really <laughs> yeah. start rocking jujitsu clothes and be like, yeah, bro, I train. I'm blue belt. I'm not just over here on that white, you know. I train. I'm training. And so since then, dude, yeah, like it depends on the setting too, because at the same time, I wear this look on my face where it seems like I'm pissed. You know, I got resting bitch face for a guy. I don't know what they call that resting mean ass dude face, but whatever. Um, so if I'm out, dude, and bar, restaurant, it's mostly if there's drinking involved. Even if I'm not drinking and I catch eye contact with someone or we catch a glance, they, like, think I'm mean mugging them. And, you know, and then things go from there. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, like, chill, chill. And so depending on the setting, I might wear a jiu-jitsu shirt just as, like, almost as a warning, realist, to me, because it's like, and I have ran into those people, not that they were trying to test me, but, it, you know, they're like, oh, well, I train a, a different martial art. And most of them will be like Krav Magav or Tai Chi or things that it's like, bro, you know, with Krav, you better grab those weapons quick. With a lot of these other martial arts, it's not going to work against me. And I don't ever go that direction. I'm just like, oh, dude, that's an awesome martial art you're training. Like, I'm glad you at least trained some martial art, like, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. How long you been training? You know, we'll keep, I keep the conversation on a positive note. And 
I've seen the shirt get me out of situations where if I wasn't in the situation, it's a friend about to be in a situation. And then I walk up, they see the shirt or they see the label and they're like, okay, yeah, we're not trying to fuck with these guys actually. And then, you know, the situation dies down. I haven't, the only time I've had people try to challenge me with jujitsu were friends, you know, would be or uh, family members more or less. Cause it would be like at a barbecue cookout, family reunion type stuff. And then, you know, everyone's like, well, I'll wrestle you. You ain't going to, you know, like you said, that ain't going to work on me. It's like, okay, well, since you're my family and we're not about to really fight, I'll go ahead and triangle choke yeah. you a few times. <laughs> I was like, let me just show you how many times I could get you in this Kimura, get you in a triangle, get you in a fucking omoplata. Dude, just, it reminds you know, me of this funny story with my cousin. He was drunk. And I was drunk, too. And I just pulled up at his house. I was with my girl, and he had, like, a girl over and some guy over. And he kept saying he could whoop me. Well, you know, it's over and over. We'd be talking, and he would just randomly say, you know I can beat your ass, though. You know I can do this, do that. And like I said, I've been drinking. So I look at my girl. I'm like, hey, can I get these guys? Can I get him? She's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I'm like, all right, bro, let's go out front. So we go out front. I mean, I probably tapped him in, like, maybe a minute with an arm bar. And he, like, gets up. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, bro. And he's like, nah, fuck that. That was round one. I said, how many rounds are we going? He said, five. I said, oh, you're going to regret that shit, bro. And I did, he did. I made him cry. I felt bad. But and that was the thing, though, right? And that's why I explained to him. I was like, dude, if I would have let up for a second and given you an advantage just off of the, like, even round one, like, you probably would have hurt me because you don't even know what you're doing. I was like, so I couldn't yep. give you the opportunity. And that's what his thing. He was like, you embarrassed me in front of this girl. I was like, bro. You challenge me. You embarrass yourself. You know, I, I can't you worry. Embarrass yourself. Yeah, you know? like bro. But yeah, dude, that was a funny time. Um, it, it's always interesting, you know, especially at cookouts, family reunions, things like that, where you know it, it's a mixed bag. You know, when I went to uh, our family reunion up in Detroit back in 2019. You know, I had a couple cousins. They follow me on on Facebook, so you know they made comments like, "Oh, I, I see you out there doing on uh, that ninja stuff." And I was like, "I mean, you know, I'm just doing jujitsu. I'm just chilling." And then you know, one cousin was like, "Yo, can you show me some of those moves?" And I was like, "Not really." Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I mean, I could, but I really can't. It, it's not like you know, explanation was like, it's not a matter of it being secretive or nothing. It's just. Like, like, what are you trying to learn? I mean, yeah. I can show you a ring, I can choke. I mean, that's all I can really show you comfortably. Right. You know, exactly. as an idea that you're not going to hurt someone. And even with that, you know, you can get in trouble. So, you know, you, you either get the ones that are like, okay, let's go. Or the ones that are like, can you show me? And the only cousin that I've actually, like, shown any jujitsu to, I, I brought him to the gym. And just like, you know, come to open mat with me. And and he became kind of um because when coach had given me the key and you know, open mat was kind of a secretive thing. I wasn't trying to be loud about it mm -hmm. just yet. So only like one or two people would show up and I would bring my cousin along, just to make it look like we got numbers. And then eventually we started really getting people showing up, like 10, 15 people. I was like, oh my God, this is getting out of hand. But um, you know, when it, when it comes to family, you know, talking smack and wanting to learn jujitsu or, or saying they can beat you, it's like, look, 
I mean, if you think you can, that's cool. I'm proud of you thinking that, but like, just leave it at that. I don't, I don't, I don't want no trouble. Yeah. Although my one cousin, he picked me up like in a bear hug once. So I was like, oh, your neck is exposed, homie. Just, you know, looped my arm over, went right for the guillotine. Yeah. And it was quick because, cause you know, he, he's a big fat boy. So, yeah. like, I, I, you know, got him quick. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I always tell all my family, is like, look, if you want to learn, come sign a waiver. And, and, you know, we'll teach you. But I'm not doing shit out here in the backyard. I mean, I could. <laughs> I don't want to, though. After the first challenge at the reunion, I started bringing my mats to the reunions. I was like, I'll bring a rollout mat out here. Because the first time it ever happened, I actually put uh, one of my cousins to sleep with a triangle. And this was like when I was like, man, maybe like four-stripe white belt or brand-new blue belt. And it was almost kind of bad because I didn't know he was asleep. And I was still like, you know, squeezing the life out of him. And I know, you know, I only realized he was asleep because I heard him snoring. And then I was like, oh, shit, he didn't sleep. Let him go. He like woke up and didn't even know. He was like, what the fuck happened? I'm like, bro, I triangle choked you. He's like, what? And in the video, because there's a video. Oh, my God. I get him in the triangle and he tries to stand. You know, he get he gets his feet and legs straight. But his head, obviously, you know, is still down. It's like he's putting his hands on the ground or something. And then I hook his leg, and then he fell to the side. But I guess when he fell is when he was going to sleep. I didn't know it. Mm. So I was choking him for like an extra eight seconds while he was already asleep. Could have been bad, dude. So like like you said, you probably should go sign a fucking waiver. (laughs) Just sign a waiver so in case something bad happens, I'm covered. Well, dude, and that's what's crazy because for the longest time I would train, I still do train in my garage and I'd have people from different gyms come through and train or just people from MMA gyms wanting to challenge me to roll. And it was never like, oh, I think I can beat you. It was just like, dude, I heard you were pretty good. I want to see how I match against someone like you. And I was like, okay, that's fine. There. And I can't even remember. I think I would got, yeah, I would got hurt. I had an extreme eye injury, dude. Like the worst shit ever happened to me, I swear, in a roll. I had taken this guy's back and he forward rolled. Did you see that video recently where that guy did that and he damaged his neck and he got that super lawsuit? It was something yep, was like that. And that. this was my first time rolling with this guy and I was trying to get him into jujitsu. We had drilled and stuff. He was one of my good buddies and he also has like 10 years wrestling experience. So he's not like, fresh but at the same time i wasn't trying to leave a bad taste in his mouth to scare him away from jujitsu especially as a wrestler dude they don't like having those egos broken they're just so like aggressive and top heavy and i want to battle and like when you shut it down dude that ego sometimes they don't like it and same guy honestly see it on instagram a lot it happened to him but he forward rolled and instead of like Cause I was going to shoot a choke and as I was shooting the choke, he forward rolls and instead of locking it up or even one arm strangling, I just anchored on his shoulder and I seen him rolling and I should have posted my hand and then tucked my shoulder. And I don't know. I didn't. I just like tucked my face and my eye, like all my weight and his weight. Cause he was rolling my eye. I swear it was the first thing to hit the mat and I felt it go like a push mm. as far as it could in. And then when I came through, 
we continued to roll and then after the round dude shit started spinning my nose started bleeding and i didn't know like he could have swore i was concussed and i thought i was concussed too but i didn't smack my head it was just like a straight my head was lightly placed on the mat but my eye just took most of the weight and i had a buddy of mine who had an eye injury before because you know i got dizzy and then I got in the shower, or as I was going to the shower, I just started throwing up everywhere. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm looking up, side effects to a concussion, and those were some of them. And, yeah. dude, that whole, like, two days, I couldn't open my eye. I couldn't look around even with either eye. I had to turn my whole head because looking anywhere, you know, both eyes track. And any movement was just so painful. And I remember the night of the injury, dude, it had to be like eight hours. I was just repeating to myself, this will pass, this will pass, this will pass, this will pass. Just trying to deal with the pain, dude. It was like a solid zero from 10, 10 or a 12 was the pain level. And I, it sucks, dude. I was just like, fuck this. And then the next day, my buddy was like, you know, tell me your side effects again. And then when I looked him up again, the side effects, instead of putting concussion, I said eye injury. And like one of the main things was like there was like some red discoloration in my eye and they were like yeah that's not from a concussion like you had and i think what my doctor told me because i know a lasik eye surgeon he was like you almost I think like detached my retina or some shit. i'm not sure but yeah uh, it was damn. freaking and if i would have done that i would have needed laser eye surgery or some type of major eye surgery and so i was like yeah um I'm going to start having y'all sign waivers, not like, yeah, to protect y'all, but also to protect me. So if something happens to me, you guys ain't, you know, I don't want y'all freaking out or thinking you're liable. Yeah. And so now if anyone comes over, dude, I got waivers. I got like 500 of them. You got to sign. I take a digital copy and then we can train. And I also had a lawyer because, you know, dude, jujitsu gives you so many connections, bro, man. Yes, it does. Like I said, LASIK eye surgeon, met him through jiu-jitsu. Anyone that I meet that's like, oh, dude, guy, what? You... Lead singer at Tool, I don't know if you know, it's a rock band. They have yes. a uh. academy in Arizona. My professor is helping Maynard, who's a lead singer at Tool, open, you know, he's like running that academy for him. We're, we're going to have Damian Maya. Because he just left from there like a week ago, kicking it with Damian Maya for like two weeks, dude. And he's coming to Edmond to do a seminar now. Nice. So it's nice. like the connection. So I asked the lawyer, I was like, hey, dude, could you write me up uh, a waiver for when people come to train in my garage? And he was like, yeah, dude. Wrote me up a legit waiver. Boom. And so I'm just like, man, connections, bro. Well that's one of the things I think about too with um, jujitsu and that ideal of, like you said, the connections. And it's like, well, you know, you, you get to these weird points where it's like, sometimes you're like, you know, you know, when do you ever think you're going to need this, this or that? And then it just happens to turn out like, Oh, well, wait a minute. I train with one of these. I need this HVAC lawyer, uh, roofer, you know, <laughs> mechanic. Doctor. All yeah. that, bro. Like every, yeah. almost all walks of life, bro. And and I think that's just you know one of the things about jujitsu that makes it so unique is that so many different people do these you know activities, and you never know it. I mean, 
you know, hell, Maynard, you know, it's like, like, holy shit, like, you're a rock star. You fucking Guy Ritchie, you know, like, you made Snatch, <laughs> you know, and, and married Madonna. But, you know, we're not holding everything against you, but you made Snatch for sure. <laughs> um, you did that. But, you did that. Yeah, you did that. Um, but the, the thing is, it's like, you know, just knowing that, like, you have these people in your corner, you know, in some capacity, it is comforting to know. Um, I mean, fuck. I, actually, here, here's a big one. I mean, I'm sure we all know this now, just looking at, um, you know, social media, you know, in the last week. I mean, fucking Zuckerberg, you know. Right. Like, Bro, imagine being on that, that dude. His coach, Dan Camarillo. Mm-hmm. Super close with my professor as well, and he's coming to do a seminar in Edmond as well. Real quick, um, because this this was a question that I wanted to ask. So I posted, well, so there's a meme posted. I reposted it, and then there's a lot of hate on my meme about Zuckerberg because he's a blue belt now, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, that was fast." Meanwhile, nobody knows how long he's been trained and nobody cared to do the research on it. They just assume, oh, we saw him competing recently. He just got his blue belt. He must have just started training. Um, so my question is, number one, how long did it take you to get your blue belt? If I'm correct, it was either seven to nine months. That's how long okay. it took me to get the blue. But that was okay. with me being on the mat like, man. Five days a week out of those five, three of those days I would be doing three days. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, dude, I was grinding. And not that I'm not hungry anymore, you know, but it was just so new. So I was just like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Instantly, honestly, felt like I was playing catch up. So I was like, all right, well, if I need to catch up to some of these guys, I'm just going to have to start going a lot more than they are, you know? Yep. I get you. Um, cause th that's the thing. It's like, everyone's like complaining about how long it took this dude to get his blue belt. And again, they don't know. They're just assuming. So I put in my stories, the question, how long does it take to get a blue belt? And I saw a lot of people saying three years, two years, 18 months, various answers. Cause it's, it's different for everyone. It really is. Um, though, man. I think the question should have been how long did it take you to get your blue belt? Not how long does it take to get a blue belt? Because, you know, the answers I feel like were um, more so reflecting the people who are answering who are saying like 18 months or three years or whatever. I believe it took me roughly three years to get my blue belt um, roundabouts, you know, and, and there was like, you know, you know, different kind of training schedules and eventually I got on like a everyday schedule and that's where it really picked up. But um, the whole thing with him, you know, getting the blue belt and everybody bitched about it. It was like, okay, I find out, you know, I pointed out that he mentioned on Joe Rogan's podcast last August that he had been trained in jujitsu and it wasn't even like he had just started at that point. I think he did confirm that he started during COVID. So, we could say roughly 2020. So here we are in 2023. So three years he gets his blue belt. So everybody wants to ignore that though. Nobody wants to pay attention to the fact that it took this dude probably about three years to get his blue belt. 
and this is a dude with money and resources and time you know more than likely to get private lessons to train on the mats and he's also competing meanwhile i don't hear anybody bitching about tom hardy you know getting promoted to purple belt you know you, you just like oh my god tom hardy he he's doing jiu-jitsu yeah he's one of us right. gets his gets his blue belt. i was like oh fucking nerd i want to roll with them now exactly and that's what that's got to be what it is you know that they're like oh this guy this nerd dude like who does he think he is like yeah man and from what i've seen with his uh competition footage he's he doesn't look you know he, he looks like he would be a solid blue belt he would he does i can't lie the granted those competitions were against white belts so it's yeah. i hope and it would be cool to see if he does go up and compete at the blue belt level I'd like to think that he would. Uh, what well, Guy Ritchie has competed at black belt, which is just, you know, uh, IBJJF tournaments and shit. Not even like he's just going to local tournaments. He's going to, you know, IBJJF tournaments. Uh, I, I think that's the uh, the highest that he's gone. I don't think he's done any, um, like, uh, ADCC or, you know, fight the wins or anything like that. I think he's too busy making, you know, Fucking whatever movies he's making now. I think he's got, yeah. Like he's got, you know, he's always got something in the works. So he he he's a busy fella. But um the, the thing is, is like when you look at you know celebrities training, it does become this weird thing where people either really embrace it or they they you know shoot it down. You know, you, you see Demi Lovato. You know, when she got her blue belt, of course, everybody has shitty things to say there. Now, when she got her purple belt, there's a some questions because, yeah. you know, she she's po- you know got her her belt and she's got like these long ass manicured nails, and it's like, mm. girl, like you know, now, what gym you promoting? <laughs> yeah, like now for all we know, she could have gotten promoted, you know, a couple Wonder nights prior. The nails and the whole shebang. Yeah, it's like honestly, yeah, it's you shouldn't even should have just took a picture of the belt. Don't even show you holding it because right, you just had it by your feet. <laughs> yeah, something, you know, double whammy right there. there. There'll be some people that'll be into that. Like, oh my god, look at those feet! And the belt, I'm in. I was like, <laughs> you, you, yeah, be gross. Um, but you know, it's like Keanu Reeves. He trains. Um, Tom Hardy. Ashton Kutcher, which, I mean, I don't know if you had seen the footage of him and Craig Jones rolling. That didn't look very. He's a brown belt, uh, apparently, and like his movements did not look very brown beltish. I was like, okay, but the, the, the oh Jonah Hill is another one who trains. I think all of the Justice League train is suffer Affleck. Yeah. Um, Affleck was like, "Fuck y'all! I got cigarettes to smoke." Yeah, I'm fucking bad. <laughs> he was, I already know jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were like, "Hey, hey, uh, Affleck, you gonna come train uh, jujitsu?" I'm Batman. <laughs> you just said no. <laughs> it's simple. No would have done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, when, when we get celebrities training, you know, it's kind of a double whammy because it's like, okay, that's bringing attention to the sport. I, I think, but also too, it's like. You know, I, I think it's just cool to see, you know, someone, especially like Keanu Reeves when he's doing John Wick movies and they're using jujitsu in it. I was like, holy shit, that, that's and it's legit cool. good jujitsu. Yeah. 
Like it's in the movie, like, sometimes you'll see shit and you're like, that shit would not work. Or he's not doing oh that God. right. Yeah. But, and I think that's the big thing with Keanu Reeves is like he wants it to look authentic. He doesn't want to make it look like, you know, he does a bullshit arm bar and it's like, oh, there's no way that would ever work. So who else? Uh, I think Paul Walker was a blue belt or a purple belt before he died. Freddie Prince Jr. is another one. I think he's a brown belt now. Um, uh, Mario Lopez is a purple belt. Yeah, I think Wiz uh, Khalifa is a blue belt. Yeah, yeah, Wiz Khalifa. Um, uh, uh, fucking Zach from fucking Say by the Bell. Zach Morris, whatever his real name is. So, <laughs> he trained? I, yeah, yeah, I think. Well, he and um, Mario Lopez had a picture together. They were both blue belts at the time. Damn. And I was like, oh shit, let's get the rematch. <laughs> right. I feel like really Slater should have won that fight. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like looking at just, you know, all the celebrities that do train, it's like, you know, I, I don't see why there should be any hate. It's like good for them. I think people get mad because they're like, oh, well, they're buying their belts. And it's like, well, I mean, Tom Hardy's competing. Mario Lopez is competing. Zuckerberg's competing. Guy Ritchie's competing. You know, oh, oh shit. I mean, Maynard, he's another another celeb, you know, out there, uh, black belt. So it's like, like look, man, it, it, it's a club that we're all in, but I always say everyone should try it. I don't think it's for everyone, but I think everyone should give it a try. And right. I feel that if you're you're a millionaire, you want to give it a try, fucking have a blast. Oh, duh. And speaking of celebrities, I mean, Joe Rogan. You know, a double black belt, fucking uh, right. Tim Planet under Eddie Bravo, and then uh, John Jacques Machado, a uh, black belt as well. So, I mean, people need to stop hating. For real, straight up, dude. It reminds me of that episode. I'm not sure the comedian's name, but he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, he said something along the lines of like, "What's the practical use of jujitsu?" He was trying to say <laughs> that there was like, you know, like, oh shit, like, what's the point of it? And Joe Rogan got the most serious look on his face. It was like if me and you were trapped in the closet and only one of us could leave or something like that. But basically along yeah. the lines of, I would kill you, bro. Yeah. He was like, well, for starters, I, I would kill you. Right? <laughs> like, let's strip everything away. What do you got? Okay. Yeah. I got jujitsu. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, too, though. It's like, even though I don't want to fight anyone, I don't want to get into any altercations with anyone. But, you know, when I am sitting around, like, arguing with my friends and it's like, you know, and they're like, uh, not necessarily saying jujitsu wouldn't work, but, you know, they're kind of implying it's like, well, we could also make this point, too. I can kill everyone in this room. So there is that. Um, and, and that's not on some old Steven Seagal bullshit, like, you know, deadly touches. Like, no, like, I will, I can choke you until you poop and <laughs> then just leave you there in your own fucking shit. And that's you know, a wrap. <laughs> yeah. And then I would go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Get seven soft shell tacos, eat, go home, play Madden, and then go to sleep. It's and then I was like, oh shit. Did I did I did I leave it? Oh shit, nobody woke him up. He might Dude, be dead. That reminds me, because I was gonna tell you about the ADCC reps. Mm, great yeah, reps. Yeah. Awesome. They did a great job. They ran for as big as the tournament and competitors were. Dude, like the absolute had a hundred competitors in it, and the bracket didn't start until like I want to say 8 p.m. And I don't think they got out of there until like 11. And the tournament started in general at like 8 in the morning. 
That's so, a long day. Dude, so props to all the refs and all the staff for ADCC. You guys, especially, they, you know, they're not used to, yeah, they do big tournaments, but it's like trials and then championships. Yeah. But to put it on a whole new venue, a, you know, it's all these little opens they're doing and how well they're doing them, dude, props to them. Still. For sure. Still, though, those refs, dude. And I don't know what the logic was behind it, but even if you go back and watch all my matches, they're stopping the match like a little too late for the submissions. So I felt that in your first match, like because like you said, you had to verbally tap, and it looked like you know, you like I could see your react, your physical reaction, and then hear you, and it's like, hey, so like you might want to get, get that earlier just, next like, time, air faster maybe. Dude, it uh, happened during the second match too. I had that choke in. Homie's tapping like one, yeah. two, and then, and then the ref came once he got frantic. I'm like, dude, you know. I mean, I let go, but once he tapped, I wanted to let go. But I'm like, taught the ref. You know, you don't stop until yeah. the ref stops you. And so, yep. And then the third yep. match, I felt like they, you know, he was on top of that because, like I said, my ankle was about to slip out of place, and he got to there before it happened. Yeah. Well, I wonder if there's like that, you know, kind of pressure though, because you know you see in the UFC refs stopping fights and people are like too oh, early, stop too soon, and honestly, look, man, I'd rather a fight be stopped too soon than too late and somebody's fucked. Exactly. You know, because for the most part, you know, you know, folks that are competing in these tournaments, you know, you got nine to five jobs. You know, like this isn't like. You know, and, and even even if this is your career, you get injured, you're doubly fucked now. Exactly. Like, where's your fallback money? Yeah. So now you can't even you know. go get a job because you're you can't work. Can't even work. Yeah. Dude. So I will say though, too, it wasn't um like a personal. It was personal with the refs stopping it late. I felt like it happened to me in two of my matches. One me with the tap and then two with the other guy with the tap still i was seeing it across every match i would watch and i feel like it does go into what you were saying about how in the ufc you see a lot of the refs stopping the fights too early and i feel like that was maybe something they did as a fail safe so competitors couldn't be like no i didn't tap i wasn't a tap yeah. like no bro we made sure you was tapping you were tapping. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like, um, we, we were just talking about this the other day, you know, but you have like uh, fighters like Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Lee. And Michael Chiesa, you know, swears he didn't, you know, tap. And I, I think, no, he might have gone out or he might have like, like looked like he was motioning for the time. But either way, it's like they called the fight. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I was still... I was still conscious, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I was there. And then, um, Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren Dude. was another one. What do you, you like, know, what do you, do you uh, to me, I felt like he was out though. I thought he was out. His arm went limp. His arm was limp. Yeah. And, so, and that, that's the thing. His arm went limp. You know, it looked like he was, but then as soon as Askren let go to uh, the choke, he popped up and, and that right. is a thing, but you know, ref's discretion. Hey, you went limp. Like, 
we're, we're protecting you, the fighter. Right, exactly. <clears throat> so maybe that's what they're trying to avoid is just that controversy. But I don't know, man. Like on chokes, maybe. But like any kind of joint lock, nah, man. Just like they're yeah, tapping. Man. Yeah. Especially if they're, ta- you know, like I'm tapping so I can protect myself low key. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people tap to pain. Some people tap after it's broken. And yeah. oh, I try yeah. not to be either one of those. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, if, if if you have any kind of joint lock on me, I'm, trust me, I, I'm getting the fuck out of there. Now, if you got a choke, I, you know, I right. like to I'll test, test my limits. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a, like a stubby, thick neck. So trying to choke me is, is somewhat of a challenge. It can be done. <laughs> like I, I get choked the fuck out sometimes, <laughs> but but I'll 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 hang out, especially if I got a mouth guard in too, because I could bite down on a mouth guard and I like I can't explain it, but it helps. And oh no, I feel you. I definitely feel you. It's like uh like doing that with your neck type deal. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And and it's like people are like, what do you mean? Because like if I don't have a mouth guard in and you're choking me, I'm probably tapping a lot sooner. I got the mouth guard in. Oh, like we chilling. What, Be what ready happened? for your oh, arms to get gassed. <laughs> that's what happened. Um, last week when I was training, I uh, we're in the gi and one of my teammates went for a clock choke, and I like I had my hand there, kind of protecting, and I was safe. But the problem is with my hand there, I wasn't able to build up on my elbow to kind of advance my position. So I pulled my hand out of the lapel thinking, okay, this is going to help, but I'm a little dumb. So, and I knew that my hand was keeping me safe. I moved my hand out and then the choke locks in. I was like, well, I'm going to fight it. And then I felt the room going dark. I was like, Oh boy. Oh boy. I hope I'm able to tap fast enough. I I, I did tap, but it, it was, it was close. That's the second time that's I've gotten that close. And I, I was worried put to sleep kind of, on the mats once I freaking let a white belt take my back and I was my my that was my plan I was like I'm gonna let him take my back and I'm gonna work on defending the rear naked choke right no <laughs> I let him get full lock up and then I remember being on my side and then when I it, it like went black for like a second and then I'm like coming to and I'm sitting on my butt like with like like this, you know, with my legs straight out. Yeah. And the round had ended, and he lifts me up, not knowing that I was like out for a second. And then, you know, now I'm sitting up and seated, like if he was in the backpack position from seated with taking my back. Yeah. And as he's letting the hooks out, I like slump forward and then like fall to the left, and I realize what's happening. So I put my elbow down, and I'm like turning to my knees, like trying to, because everything was weird. Like my body was light. I didn't, my head was lightheaded, yeah, and I was just like, what the hell? I was like, I think that motherfucker just put me to sleep for a second, and I was like, yeah, I'm never letting that shit, I'm never letting anyone take my back like that, and just try to work, and granted, he's um, been wrestling his whole life, and he's probably going to be a blue belt soon, but still, I was like, yeah, you're getting too good for me to just let you do shit to me now. (laughs) It's like, you know, letting your little brother, you know, get a free shot. It's like, okay, nah, you starting to really hit now. Again, just you fucking around with you. 
right? Can't go more free shots. Fuck that. Yeah. Well, exactly. and and that's that's the weird thing about like chokes is like sometimes they come on quick. Like we, I've seen teammates go out, you know, during you know demos, and you know it, it's it comes on so quick, and then you just hear snoring. It's like, oh boy, God. like like that guy's out <laughs> um, for the count. But yeah, it, it's like oh, get like. Getting choked last week, it was just that weird thing. We're like, okay, this could go really wrong, or I could be all right. And I thought I was able to build up, but take my hand out, tighten the choke for him. But then also me pushing up to try to get out just made matters worse. Like it was a double whammy of stupidity. And I just, oh well, like lesson learned. I, 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 don't, I don't even know what I was thinking. Uh, well, that know, was, was gonna be that's gonna be my question for you. So in those moments, do you not feel like kind of like a primal instincts took over? Like I gotta get the fuck out of here, you know? Where it's kind of frantic in a way, because you're at that moment where you're like, oh, this shit's deep. I gotta try anything to get out of this motherfucker now. So for me, I was calm and you know I was calculated because I was aware that I was safe. I was like, I don't want to sit here this entire round. Uh, like I, I was like. Let me advance my position. But in that moment of advancing my position, I forget, oh, wait a minute. My hand was saving me from getting choked. And then I move my hand out to try to like, because the movement was slow. You know, once I put my hand out, I started building up slowly. And then I was like, uh-oh. Oh, boy. Mistake. <laughs> my Like, my arms got fuzzy. <laughs> the room started, like, I started seeing, like, the little fucking twinkles. I was like, oh, shit. Right. And, and that's when I thought, like, I, I was thinking, like, I was in my mind, I was like, right hand, right hand, right hand. But my left hand tapped. <laughs> yeah, that's so, when you know you're about to go out. Oh, yeah. I, I was on my way to La La Land, and I was just like, and I sat out the next round. I was just like, you know, what? I'm going to chill because I was getting fucked up right there. And <laughs> I, I probably need to think about my actions and just make better choices in life. So, mm. Do you know. trade Less more gi than no gi? Uh, yeah, like right now, um, it's gonna be a split because I'll have no gi on Friday nights and then I'm gonna have gi uh two times on Saturdays. So, oh, nice. um, I like I started off no gi and then once I got into a gi and start understanding grips, I felt more comfortable and then start working spider guard and lasso. Oh, and I just had this comfort. I was like, okay, I like the gi, but now the stuff that I'm working on, uh, just trying to develop my game and just give me kind of a path, will actually work both in gi and no gi, which is kind of how I like to train anyway. Exactly. Because, Same. like, I, you know, I like to go for, you know, a lot of Kimuras. And a big part of that is in no gi, you don't have any grips, but that Kimura grip is there. Yes. And it's strong. So There's a whole system for that Kimura. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're working on that. I'm working on knee cut right now because I love me a good knee cut, but more often than not, I'm always missing a step. So drilling the knee cut after class constantly over and over and over and over. Now I feel comfortable with it again. And now we're working from the knee cut to side control to brick cutter or 
um, get into a Kimura position as well from that uh, side side control position. So, you know, I'm trying to develop a game where I don't need to rely on the gi so much. So for the bread cutter, yes. Right. But that's why we have the Kimura in place and also an arm bar. So that way I don't necessarily need the gi for that work. But the right. gi is definitely helpful for specific grips. So uh, for me... I prefer the gi, but I'm trying to work where I can maneuver with with either um, grappling style. How about your, yourself? Like Dude, you're more of a no gi. I um, train both pretty evenly, but it's not that I don't like the gi. I used to not like the gi, but now with like. Um, because now if I'm in the gi, it's rare that I will, if I'm on the bottom, it's going to be guard or some type of half guard, butterfly, something. I will, it's going to, yeah, I'm going to fight like hell to keep you from getting side or mount or taking my back. And with that mindset, plus more understanding, like you were saying with grips and just how to do different guards. Cause like one guard that I've been playing a lot is the spider guard here lately. And it's just, yeah, dude, I'm really starting to like the gi a lot more than I used to, but I still love Nogi the most. Just because I like the fluidity, the, you know, and that's kind of my game too, depending on, like if it's a super fight, then I'm just gonna try to gas you out in three to four minutes, and then the last one minute or two minutes, then I'm going for my sub. And that's my game plan is just to outwork you, still using great jujitsu and good technique, but I'm not gonna have a chill pace. Like, you know, we're not going to flowy into this. And and it's not because I like moving fast or trying to use my agility. It's just because I'm trying to tire you out. Fair. Like, I, I joked about it last week. I was like, I like to do old man jiu-jitsu. And then ultimately, though, you know, kind of saying that, you know, my, my coach and I were talking about it. I was like, old man jiu-jitsu kind of translates to lazy jiu-jitsu to Dude, some and degree. That's, that's what my coach says. He says he does lazy jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And and I think for me with that, it, it's, you know, it lazy, energy conserving, you know, however you, you know, take it. I think at the end of the day, it, it's like if it like, let's say you and I are rolling, you know, you're moving to the point of trying to burn me out and I'm trying to stop your movements exactly. because I'm like, dude, I don't want to chase you. I am too old for this. <laughs> I, you know, I'm but tired. That, would you say that makes like a beautiful balance with jujitsu, though? Yeah. You know? Well, because because we both want to implement our game, you know, like my whole thing is I need to make you play my game and you need to make me play your game. And ultimately, if I can't get a hold of you, you're forcing me into your game in order for me to play my game. I need to get a hold of you and slow you down. I need to grab a leg. I need to get a wrist. I need to have some kind of control on two limbs, at least, and, and kind of, you know diagonal it you know i got if i'm holding on to your um your left leg and i got a hold of your right wrist you know that you know there's some kind of diagonal control there but ultimately you know my goal is to make sure that you can't move as quickly as you want to move because if you're moving quick now i have to address that right because like, that means you're playing their game now when you're addressing what they're doing yeah, and 
in I mean, if I got to chase you, obviously I'm going to burn out energy. You know, I'm chasing. I'm going to make a mistake. You're going to end up on my back. You could end up with a leg. You know, I could end up messing up. And now you've got side control. You know, anything could happen. It's like, I don't want any of that. I, I need to get you to the point where I've got you inside control. Because, look, man, I, I'm, I'm a solid 215. And I know how to use all my pressure. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you go it's nowhere. not even a matter of, it's not even a matter of just being fat. It's a matter of like I'm fat and I can pressure. And I can know, make so you like, think I'm two, boy. I'm about to make you feel like I'm four. Like, they were like Dante, how much do you weigh? Uh, two fifteen. Really? That's all. Like, yeah. I mean, look, man, I can't be fucking chasing y'all. <laughs> y'all move too fast. But you prefer a guard pull or a takedown, or is it based on the role? It's based on the role, but I'm going to be honest. I like seven out of 10 times, I'm going to go for the guard pull, but it's really based on what your, what your stance is. So if we're standing there, let's say we're both in the gi and, you know, we get grips. Like if, if I get grips, I'm going for the guard pull, but if I can't get grips, then I'm going to probably try to shoot for a single and then, you know, just kind of go from there. If I can go from there. Um, and, and a lot of times I, I don't even initiate it. Like a lot of times, if I know you're a guard puller, I'm going to let you just go ahead and pull mm. because that's where then I'm going to try to work a knee cut from there. Right. If, if I can. Going. Yeah. It's, it's like, fuck this. I know what you want. Let me go ahead and give it to you. So then I can implement my game from this point. Um, especially since that's what I've been working on lately, but it, it, I think, especially at my age, a takedown is is really kind of last resort just because, like, I'm old. I'm not trying to, like, <laughs> when we got to drill takedowns, that shit's exhausting. Um, <laughs> yes. and, and I do like, I, I like a good inside trip if I can get it, but it, it's, I, I worry <laughs> about my knee um, now with this age, too. I just don't want to mess my knee up. I don't want to, you know, get tangled up and mess someone else's knee up. But again, if it's there, and and I know you're you're not even looking for it, I'll I'll go for it. If I miss it, then it's like, look, man, and that that's more so no gi. Like I'll go for uh, uh, inside and outside trips, and no gi. But if it's gi, I'm probably gonna pull. If I don't pull, I'm hoping and praying that you pull, so I can work from there. Because if I pull, I don't really have much going for me. It's like, all right, so you're in my guard. <laughs> you want to pass because like yeah. i don't really want you in my guard especially with my bad hip right now so um how about your game like, like are you more of a you just want to get that that game to the ground or i'm the same way man um as you like um but with the gi i have a really good and uh, sleeve grip and then i'll pull you to get you to step with your right leg if it's my right hand on your lapel, and then I'll gotcha. ankle pick that and keep the lapel, ankle pick, and drive you, you know. And I really like that takedown in the gi because it keeps me safe if I fail. You know, if I fail, I can just pop back up to my feet and let. And a lot of the times, I think I've had like one or two guys maybe try to shoot a guillotine, but the angle that I'm pulling them, it makes it where they, like, even if they try, they're, it's almost like they're over 
shooting the guillotine like almost trying to do an arm in or something i leave it to where it would be at best it's going to end up being an arm in guillotine at best but i haven't got caught so i keep doing that now if it's a bigger guy because i can still get the ankle pick to work but i have to use more of like agility and timing you know to kind of off balance them because yeah i definitely can't just throw them around and grab their leg like i could if someone was my size um, then I'm definitely pulling guard for sure. Nogi, I have a good mix because I'll sit guard, but most of the time if I sit guard, I'm going to wrestle up. Like as soon as you get close, I'm just going for a blast double, low ankles, you know, things that are safe. If I do a blast double, I usually never even commit to the blast. I commit to trying to go to your back from there, you know. Because a lot of people will shoot that guillotine every time I just go around to the back. Or at least try. That's fair. But yeah, that's my th those are my games. I used to not despise takedowns, but I just was never very good at them. And then, and that, like you were saying, translating both moves. So I have a really good ankle pick from for Nogi as well. And it's roughly the same. I just get a collar tie and then control the wrist. Pull them, keep the collar tie, pick the ankle. I, I really wish I was better at ankle picks. I get caught with ankle picks a lot. Dude, and so you would think as often as I get caught with them, I would be better at implementing them. And I'm just, I, I think what it is, is I need to work on committing to it because I yes. look at it and I think about it and then I hesitate. And I think that's the problem. I um, would say it is. Especially with takedowns, because like that's the when that, there's other moves with jujitsu too, where it's like, dude, there's like, you can't pause between point A and point B. It's like one straight line all the way through. And yeah. there's a lot of moves like that. I mean, there's also a lot of moves though where you can click, clack, go from move to move, keep it slow and controlled. But like with takedowns, yeah, it's definitely a commit thing because that was also. Something else I was bad at with takedowns. I would be too worried about the technique and trying to do the technique, you know, pristine. And it's like, dude, sometimes you just got to think, get a motherfucker down, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, you know what you want and how you're going to do it. But if that shit's not, and that's how Jitsu is, it's never going to work. Like you perfectly drilled it with your uh, compliant partner. It's never going to work like that. And so yeah. that I started changing that mindset of not trying to be so solid on technique but more solid on like principles and i don't even know the other word i'm looking for here but you know the idea behind a set of moves versus this is the system you're going to go from here if that fails you go to here if that fails you go to here or if you're successful then you go to the next move it's like well if this fails i know there's x amount of options for him and x amount of options for me let me try to chess game those moves to where I can funnel him, in, funnel him into something and or leave my options available so I don't get caught in a trap. Yeah, I think, you know, that's what's been kind of holding me back in some phases. We talked about this last week on the Mets is that when drilling, part of what happens in my mind is I get too focused on wanting to get the move to look perfect versus just the practicality of the move and actually 
you know, getting to where I need to be. Now, the reason why we practice to perfection is so that way when we're actually doing the move, we have drilled it so much that you kind of get to a point where it's like you can kind of make that move work in an imperfect way. Yes, exactly. So, um, because you know, when it comes to like my takedowns, it's like again, there's always that that moment of hesitation where I'm like, shit, ah, like I missed it, and they saw it, and I saw it, and we both laugh, and it's like, up, oh, I missed the opportunity. Now, the thing is, again, kind of going back to the whole idea of me doing, you know, old man jujitsu or lazy jujitsu, it is really a game of part of the pressure pass game because. Like, so stylistically going into, you know, any kind of role, what I want to do is if you're seated or let's say you try to pull guard, I want to try to trap your legs kind of in a butterfly. I want you to have the butterfly position and then I'm going to, you know, try to work to collapse your legs and then pressure my way around the side control. And, and, and that, that's my bread and butter. But that's why we're trying to get away from it and work the knee cut because so you have options. it's like, yeah, now I have that other option to go to versus just saying, OK, because what happens if I go for that butterfly and you get a leg out because it has happened. And I was like, well, fuck. Now, what do I do? OK. And as as coach says, reset. <laughs> like, like you just stand back up, <laughs> you, you, you know, or, you know, go back in. you don't have to just. Okay, they got a leg out. Stay committed. Like, no, back up. <laughs> like, right. what, what are they gonna do? They're already sitting on their ass. Back like, in the system again. Shit. Yeah. So, and uh, but that's the thing about jujitsu, though, is like we all have these different viewpoints on them. We all have these different approaches to them, and it works for everyone. I put up a post today. Said, "How many martial artists does it take to screw in the light bulb?" The answer is 100. It takes one to screw in the light bulb and 99 uh, to criticize the technique and explain how it won't work on the street. And that's a thing that I see a lot, especially on social media, is uh, you post a move, you're going to always get somebody saying, oh, well, that wouldn't work on me. And it's like, hmm, that's weird. Like, because <laughs> you're here on the goddamn internet talking about it and you know like what, what are your credentials like, I, I had a post on TikTok I, I don't go on my TikTok too often but um, uh, I posted uh, I can't remember the young lady's name right now but um, I posted a technique by her it's a takedown and a guy commented yeah try it out on like a real wrestler it's like well she's a wrestler like she's a legit like Olympic wrestler like like, what are you fucking talking about, dude? Like, shut the fuck up. Everybody's always got some criticism. Every where time, we, we all play a different game of jujitsu. And, you know, the technique that I just explained that I like to do may not work on you um, versus, you know, someone else. You know, so because that, you know, it may not work on you, I'd have to take a different approach. You know, so that, that's just how it goes. It's like, okay, I got Mo right here. I'm going to try to pin his legs into a butterfly. He's got long limbs. That's not going to fucking work for me. So I'm going to yeah. have to try to knee cut. That might not work for me. I'm going to have to take a different approach. Maybe I got to do a leg drag now. 
and try to like you know shelf his leg and then you know pressure you know pressure pass with his you know his knees facing opposite now you know but there's always something different so to say oh well that won't work maybe you're right right it doesn't mean we don't have a contingency plan so many internet warriors man because a lot of those people doing that shit they don't even do anything you know yeah all right so uh before we get out of here um you got any uh shout outs or mentions that you want to drop before we uh go ahead and wrap the episode up yeah man um shout out to the academy i train at redline jiu-jitsu in edmond oklahoma or shout out uh, to my mom kim brown (laughs) also again thank you for making the time and and just coming back on the show because like i said last time we got on here there was the internet issue and wasn't the best quality and i'm sitting there thinking like I'm never gonna be able to get these people back on the show. <laughs> like, this shit sounds. Well, it was horrible, a good time so. though, man. I enjoy it, and I enjoyed this time too, dude. It was a good conversation. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it was. It like and and just for those that are still here listening, just so you all know, the length of this episode doesn't even scratch the surface of how long we've been recording because there's about an hour of conversation cut out of us just you know just catching up and talking on some old personal life shit. But um, thank you for doing this, Mo. Um, I, I greatly appreciate it. And hey, no problem, bro. And, Thanks for having and, uh, me, man. Every time. Nah, no problem, man. No problem. And everyone else out there who's listening, thank you for supporting the podcast. I, you know, I appreciate you all. Uh, next week is going to be the three-year anniversary of this show. And I, I know I've said it a few times here now. I didn't think we're going to make it past three or four episodes. So to say that we're at three years, this is amazing. Thank you, everyone, for all your support. If you all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, anything, feel free to reach out to me. You can always find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram. You can also find me at Off The Mats Podcast on Instagram as well. And um, yeah, I'm an open book. You know, uh, I'm a friendly dude. You say you want to be on, I'll, I'll make the time for you. You got, you know, a question, I'll I'll try to get you the answer. You got a criticism, I'll hear you out. I mean, if it's something hurtful, though, I'm, I'm not trying to hear that. But, you know, sometimes you got to hear it, though. But otherwise, thank you. I want to give a big shout out to my crew over there at Nerve Age Radio, Bobby, Chris, Joe, uh, Marilyn, Phil, Ricky, Tiki, all you guys love you to death. Uh, thank you for everything you guys do. And. You know, without Nerd Rage, I wouldn't be here doing this podcast. I want to also give a shout out to uh, my buddy Shoki with his podcast. Now you've made it awkward. Uh, Shoki's been on uh, the podcast before with me. I've been on his podcast and he's just recently recorded with me on So You Like Horror. So, you know, we've been making around. So thanks, Shoki, for uh, everything that you do and contribute to the show as well. And last shout is going to go to my other podcast, So You Like Horror. If you like scary movies and, and you know, just kind of talking about horror and that kind of content, go check it out. Hell, even reach out to me. Come get on the show. Uh, we're, we're doing horror movies uh, through the decades. Right now, we're working on the 90s. My wife and I did record an episode, but we're going to actually do a bonus addendum because after we finished recording, we realized we missed so much horror in the 90s. And you would think that that's a decade that didn't have a lot. So 
Uh, definitely go check that podcast out. It's a lot of fun. It's not for educational purposes, but it's definitely for, you know, if you have that itch to watch some scary movies, we try to see you in the right direction. Um, otherwise, I've been yammering on for too long here. Thank you, everyone. You all keep listening to the show, and we're going to keep making them. Thank you, everyone. And here's the three years, and we're looking for working towards four. Thank you, everyone. Love you. And ciao. Now let me see his song.